Welcome everybody to the Built Different Podcast. I'm here with Bill. And as always, we are here with another episode of Gold Rush. Episode 9 for you guys. The Super Bowl is here. The Eagles are here. Grease the poles. Philly Philly is back. What's up, Bill? How are you doing? What's going on, Tom? That was a solid, solid game from Philly, man. So congrats to your boys. Another Super Bowl appearance. That's two more in your lifetime compared to what I've seen from my team in my <laughs> lifetime. So, hey, Let's live three. it up. Or, well, yeah, no, Reese maybe two. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, uh, you know, not fully the exciting week of football that we were really hoping for, but at the same time, I think we can be very, very excited about the results. So we've got a Super Bowl matchup that we're going to talk about in depth next week uh, between the Philadelphia Eagles, the Kansas City Chiefs, the one seeds facing off. Uh, these are the two best teams. And just like I talked about going into championship weekend, uh, you want to see the best teams facing off. And while we had that, some weird circumstances, uh, you know, prevented it from being the best games possible this past weekend. And we'll dive into that in just a second. Uh, but each week you advance in the playoffs, you would just want to see the best teams advance as well. It makes for the best football moving forward. So excited for that matchup. Uh, but this week, we're going to dive into some coaching carousel. We'll start our quarterback feature. We're going to dive a whole lot more into the quarterback carousel in the offseason. Uh, but we'll, you know, at least hit the more popular news end of an era as well. Uh, then we're going to recap last week's games and quick, quick preview to the upcoming games. We'll talk some Pro Bowl, which is everybody's favorite thing. And then we'll wrap it up. You're ready for I love week. Derek Carr. <laughs> uh, so starting off, starting off on the coaching carousel, uh, we had some big moves this week. Yeah, man. Um, you know, my my favorite um, from the the moves is obviously, well, not obviously, but D'Amico Ryan's to the Texans. You know, something yeah. something feels really right in the air about this for me. Um, you know, Houston they they needed to move on from Deshaun Watson. Um, they knew it was going to be bad. They hired a couple coaches. Um, you know, media and everything aside, this is the move that they needed to make. Um, you know, D'Amico Ryan's former Texan, everything just feels right. They need to rebuild. Why not rebuild with one of your former players that is actually has a really good rep for coaching? And he's very young, too. I don't even think he's 40 yet. Um, but he went and he coached, you know, a beautiful he, he did a beautiful job in San Fran. So yeah. to go to Houston to bring that that San Fran you know, everything that he learned there, he's going to bring to Houston and they're going to have a new quarterback. It's going to be a new, fresh team, fresh beginnings. I'm wishing Houston and D'Amico Ryan's the best. I hope the Texans don't Texan it up for him, but right. I, I love that signing the most out of all of them. Yeah, honestly, it's my favorite as well. Uh, you've got three hires that were made this week. Uh, so just to give a quick rundown of what happened, uh, we have Sean Payton to the Broncos. We have D'Amico Ryans to the Texans. And we have Frank Reich to the Panthers. So all three, I'm on board with. I think for each team, it's the best that they could have done. So, you know, Panthers is debatable. We'll, we'll, we'll dive deeper into Frank Reich in just a minute. Uh, but to hit on D'Amico Ryans first, you're right. Like, this is a young guy considered probably the best rookie head coach that's going to get hired this year. Uh, so, and everyone wanted a piece of D'Amico Ryan's in the interview process. So it really did stellar things with that San Francisco defense. 
you got to give Shanahan props that he's building a solid coaching tree here. Oh, yeah, he is. I don't, I can't say I like Kyle Shanahan, but damn, I respect him for what he's been able to do with his team alone, but also in developing this, this talented head coaching corps that has grown under him. So D'Amico Ryans brings a layer of excitement to the Texans where they don't even need to directly win games next year in order for this to be considered a successful hire. If they just bring excitement, then that's going to be enough to buy him some more time. This is the guy I could see them actually committing to for a little bit. This is the guy that I could see eventually turning this around. It's not going to happen quick, but doesn't have to. Yeah, and, and my my argument to, to agree with you there is I, I see their season next season similar to how I saw the Lions this season, where, mm-hmm. you know, you're, the goal isn't necessarily going to be to make the playoffs. You want to check every other box besides that and yeah. to consider that a good season. I think it's something they can do. I mean, I think they'll, they'll improve. They'll look better. They'll be very, very young. They honestly might have a chance to be the youngest team in the league next year, depending on what they do. And it's going to be fun. They're they're going to the Houston Texans are going to be a fun team to watch again. And I'm not yeah. I'm not too opposed. But to kind of to jump to Sean Payton, um, as I predicted, because I'm just such an amazing analyst at this NFL stuff. No, I'm just playing. I'm not. I only get like 25 percent of things right. But this is something I'm glad I'm right about. You know, Sean Payton. I I think. I think what intrigues him most about Denver is is the challenge, but also that it's not like it's a talentless team. So it's going to be challenging. You know, he has to he has to find a way to get some picks back. He has to find a way to move some money around. He has to find a way to get into Russell Wilson's hard head. And I think he he's the coach that if there is one coach that's going to fix this mess, it's going to be Sean Payton. And he has a great defense that he's coming into offense. He's going to have to, you know, figure that out. But that's what he's there for. He's a very, really, really, really good offensive coach and really good at figuring it out when his weapons aren't necessarily the best. We saw that, you know, in New Orleans and all the creative stuff that he did there every single season. And you know what? I'm here for it. I'm absolutely yeah. here for it. I think this was a beautiful signing by Denver. You had to throw all the money at him. I, I The only reason I saw that is because I knew they had the money to give him and I knew if Champagne was going to come in. It was either he was going to go to the best decision possible, or he was going to get paid the most money possible. And I think he went. I think he went with the money. And I, I can't. I can't really blame him. But like I said, he's going yeah. to take off his hat. His hair is going to be glistening in the in the sun. You know, wavy and luscious. And he's going to tear off his shirt and be all chiseled and brown. And he's going to be the savior Denver needs. And Russell Wilson and better that, listen to this guy <laughs> if he wants his career no, to continue. Yeah. Denver Sun, that's going to be real great for him. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm i shocked, honestly, that Sean Payton's in Denver. I You predicted it. I did not see it coming. I didn't think this was going to be it. But now that it's happened, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. Of course, it makes sense now. So Sean Payton is really betting on himself here. And this is either going to be a successful trip or – the biggest failure and the biggest the end of Sean Payton either way yeah yeah he he could have had the cream of the crop he could have essentially you know these conversations happen behind closed doors but you know he could have had conversations with the Cowboys owner the Chargers owner he could have been in a very very good situation next year one of those two teams are going to be in position to end up firing a head coach next year in all likelihood 
So they were so close this year and it just didn't pan out. And next year, we'll see what happens. But next year is next year. Sean Payton sounded like he wanted to get into coaching right now. And he is an, a brilliant offensive mind. And when you look at this Denver Broncos team, they've got a, a solid offensive line. They've got a quarterback that can be good, that has been good in the past. And it wasn't all that long ago, but he's on a couple of really down years all of a sudden. So does he still have it? But if you just look at what McDaniel has done with Tua, then you know that a quarterback can flip the switch very quickly with a little bit of confidence. Yeah. There's not much better you can do for confidence than having Sean Payton as your offensive guru, calling the plays, putting together the schemes. Shit, I could probably play decent quarterback if I had that level of confidence. So Russell Wilson very well could have a nice little turnaround here. He's got good receivers. We haven't seen the best of Jerry Judy yet. We haven't seen the best of Cortland Sutton yet. And, that's, and yeah. you know, they've got a you know, good young tight end. And then Albert O is solid as well. So, you know, they, they've got the pieces on offense where it could be good. So what he needs is something that we were just talking about before the show is a good defensive mind to keep that defense at least as good as it is. Doesn't even need to be better. Here comes Brian Flores. That's going to be the called shot here is if Brian Flores is there, then all of a sudden this is a team to be feared. And, and, it's, and it'll be a huge, I, I think what also will add to this Denver Broncos team is that a lot of people are going to have a chip on their shoulder. Russell Wilson. I mean, if, if we know one thing about Russell Wilson is that when the whole media is against this guy, when everyone's against this guy, he does rise to the occasion. I think he has a lot to prove here. I mean, yes, he has all the money. He has his ring already. He doesn't quite have the MVP, but there's a couple years there that we can that he can be proud of, you know, with this top three MVP finish. He ha he has yeah. everything. He's most likely a Hall of Famer, and he just it's a prove it season for him. Sean Payton coming back, picking the Broncos. You know what? What do you what, what could he possibly be doing? Time for him to prove himself because he did amazing things with the Saints. He only got one Super Bowl out of it, and a lot of people know that he should have probably one more with with his capabilities and then like you said brian flores comes in <laughs> you know what he you know yeah. you know the chip on the shoulder that he has won't talk about it but yeah it's gonna they have motivation do i count on russell wilson coming in and having an mvp season no but i think russell wilson can easily be one of the best game managers we've ever seen under sure. a good offensive system that sean payton will bring and we'll we'll, we'll see what happens yeah, they had no business being as bad as they were on offense this year. Yeah. And with a healthy Javante Williams back, hopefully he comes back fully healthy. Uh, with Sean Payton just scheming some things, there's no way this team doesn't hit 18 points per game, at least average. But frankly, they should be at that every game, literally every game throughout the season. Is What should happen is 20 or more points every game. And you know that if they That's had three touchdowns, I, they, year, they can do that. Right. Yeah. Without even an extra point, three touchdowns without an extra point, a la Dallas Cowboys. Uh, if they just did that, then they would have been in a playoff <laughs> team. This year. And not just bottom of the barrel, they would have been the top wild card. So for sure, it's achievable. 
and they don't have the draft picks and they don't have the capital to really secure any missing pieces. And that's the, that's the reason I didn't think Sean Payton was going to be there is because he can't mold that team into his own thing, but he's doubling down on himself saying, I can work with what you give me because I can't get anything else. So that's why I didn't like it. But if he does it more props to him, he will be the first to ever do that. If you look at, the Rams and the Bucks and how they won Super Bowls in, you know, piecing together after trading for a veteran quarterback. This is totally different. This is totally, totally different. And Sean Payton will be the best of those three to, and clearly the most important part after what Denver did last year, yeah. if he can pull something together and win a Super Bowl here, hats off. He goes into the Hall of Fame if that happens. Yeah. And real quick, just to just to touch on the third um, hiring, Frank Reich uh, getting signed in Carolina. Actually, he was the first quarterback ever for the Carolina Panthers when they were formed as an organization. So I think that's cute. Um, Super cute. Ish, my, my issue with Frank Reich, um, you know, yeah, he played a big, big role for the Eagles. Um, a lot of people say – the, the big argument for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl for <clears throat> for the first time was who was responsible for it? Was it was it Nick Foles and his quarterback skills? Was it you know Frank Reich's offensive scheme, or was it Doug Peterson's brilliant mind as as a head coach? You know, there's a lot of arguments, but either way, Frank Reich he played a, a big part of that. I just don't know. Like the Panthers is just a team that you just. It's just, I don't know. Like, I can see this being easily, like, after a year they do so bad and they fire him, which would suck. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, if I saw the, the Panthers, it's either I saw them getting a high-level coach to turn everything around or they're just going to, like, try to start rebuilding and actually building a team again instead of just hang. Like, they've been doing this for the last few years, just hanging out. Just if, if we win, we win. If we don't, we don't. Yeah. Whatever. And I don't know if Frank Reich really – I mean, I could be wrong, but I just don't really think he's going to get the Panthers out of that cycle that they've been in the last few years. It's going to be tough, especially picking ninth. Uh, they won enough games where they're not at, in peak draft position, but it, it's a solid draft class, and not every team really needs a quarterback. Chicago basically announced that they're trading out of the first pick. So – that's the thing. There might be a quarterback going super early. There might not be. We'll see who, if anybody's willing to bite there. I think they might be able to get one of the Flyers at nine. It might be one of the top three quarterbacks. They might need to trade up to do it. But I, I could see them at least drafting a young guy. And Sam Darnold showed that he's not bad. He's not the Jets' Sam Darnold anymore. And... That also doesn't mean he's going to be a good quarterback in this league, but he's serviceable. So DJ Moore, solid receiver for sure. He's got some stuff here. I'm not expecting magic here. I think this is going to be a long build, and I think they're going to, they're willing to be patient with Frank Reich. Whereas he deserves it. Yeah. Right. And, and he showed what he's able to do with the right talent. It's just when your talent is on the decline in Indianapolis, it's not the time to continue to pay a Frank Reich uh, where he's either he's going to lead you to mediocrity with a bad roster. And mediocrity is 
a recipe for bad draft picks. The worst, yeah, so, the worst thing you can do in the NFL is be mediocre. Right, right. And the Dolphins have been mediocre for a very long time. They've been between 7 and 10 and 8 and 8, basically, and now 9 and 8 for as long as I can remember. So aside from one 1 and 15 season and one like 10 and 6, it's just been mediocrity every other year. So you can't build your team through the draft while doing that. So I like the Colts moving away from Reich, don't get me wrong, but I like the Panthers picking them up. So I think Reich does eventually get something moving here. They have some added capital from the Christian McCaffrey trade. Uh, they could move on from Brian Burns as well. I will see what Frank Reich's thoughts are on that. That would really secure them a lot more capital in the future and prepare for a proper tank for next year if they do that because he's what holds that defense together. So I'm interested to see what direction they go this offseason, uh, where they go in the draft, if they like to trade up because, again, they do have the capital right now to do so. I'm curious. I don't know how he's going to do, but I like the pick. So – that wraps it up for the coaching carousel this week. We've still got two open spots. I uh, want to see how the, where the Colts go to fill their vacancy. And then the Cardinals are an absolute disaster. I think Kyler is scaring some people away in that process. Yeah, this is I think he's not coming back till halfway through the season. I mean, everything that's happened in the past with Arizona, I'm staying away yeah. as well. I mean, it, it was an intriguing spot, but it's only an intriguing spot for someone like Sean Payton and, and Jim Harbaugh. Like, if we're, if we're being honest, those are the only two people that I think could make any magic happen in Arizona. And if it's not them, I don't know if, if I'm Arizona, if I'm really chasing after anybody. I just get someone to fill that role. And we, we need to – I think next year is – for the Cardinals, it sucks. But they're probably going to have to throw next year, try to get the best draft pick possible, and just see what happens with Kyler. I'm still on the I'm still on the side that I don't think Kyler plays another game in Arizona, even if he comes. I mean, if he comes back, I don't really think it's going to be in his best interest to play. I believe he's a free agent after next year anyway. Um, I could be wrong. They could franchise tag him, whatever. Um, but I yeah. just don't. I, I don't think that the Cardinals should even try to do anything here. Um, just yeah. mail it in, get a high draft pick. Let's see what happens with Kyler. Trade. Um, Trade Deshaun Hopkins and let, they've got a top three pick. Yeah. You know they could move on right away. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you get a new coach in, and you're planning on drafting quarterback in the top three, this is your time to make the best hire imaginable. Yeah, and I think if Sean Payton liked one of those three guys, it's not that hard to trade from three to one. Right. right. So they'd be able to. Get Sean Payton in, trade the three for the one. It's just whether or not they would have had the capital to trade for Sean Payton and then also make that trade. Yeah. That's what makes it weird. So, you know, maybe that was going to happen if it wasn't for the the price tag from the Saints. And maybe the Saints scared that away from happening and then, you know, got Sean Payton at least out of the NFC. So, you know, it could have been a genius move from the Saints. Could have been just the Cardinals are not as good as we think they could be. Uh, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. But sure. I'm how both of those teams fill their vacancies. Uh, it can't take too much longer. Uh, it typically happens within a week after the Super Bowl at the absolute latest. But again, as you see, most vacancies are already filled. Uh, so we'll see how everything pans out. 
Uh, but moving over to quarterbacks, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about quarterbacks. Uh, but we have a little bit of a shout out. Uh, I'm going to let you do it since I can't speak too kindly of this man as he tortured my Dolphins for many, many years. Uh, but who do you want to shout out uh, a huge congratulations to upon man. retirement? Man, Tom Brady. This, this is it, I guess. Um for now, I mean, he could he could yep. wake up in a week and be like, I want to play football again. Um, but, you know, Tom Brady, I, I feel bad that this is how it ended. Um, but you, you can only look at his career and it, it was it was crazy. We, we've never seen like we got to witness something we've never seen before in the NFL because um, he's in my opinion, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. It's not too debatable to some. I mean, some other people will be like, Joe Montana and, you know, Peyton Manning, you know, those weirdos that think Peyton Manning was better than Tom Brady. But he um, rocks with any of that. It, it's, I have to give it to him. And you're yeah. right. Like a few glaring moments of ineptitude from him, like him trying to do the Philly special uh, <laughs> in that Super Bowl, that will stick out to me as highlights of his career. Uh, but ultimately, the man was absolutely the greatest. And he was the my favorite stat that really encapsulates that is he made the, the NFC or AFC championship game, respectively, for the two different teams, right? But he made the championship game for his conference in 70% of the seasons that he played. Tom Brady is more likely in any given season to make the championship game than the average quarterback is to even complete one pass. That's absurd. That's the insane. Quarterbacks complete an average 64% of passes last year. Tom Brady's 70% of championship games. It's nuts. It, and there's not been that level of consistency ever. The only guy that's capable of catching up to the hat that we're seeing right now is Mahomes, who's in five straight, which Brady never even did. So uh, that itself is crazy. We'll see where Mahomes' career goes, but uh, Brady, for now, hats off. Yeah, that man. was exceptional. Not the way you want to go out, but at the same time, yeah. he drove in the playoffs. They had no business being in the playoffs. So, and that's and my my thing with you know Tom Brady is that his greatness kind of takes away from the beginning story. Like this guy wasn't supposed to be anything. Um, he was just supposed to be you know third string, maybe a backup at best, his whole career. And he got his chance and he ran with it. And I just kind of want to go down the, the list real quick of all the records that he holds because this is crazy because we got to witness it. And that that's my biggest thing. And as much as I don't like, you know, LeBron James, for example, I'll always be grateful that I got to witness the entire career of someone that is going to be considered the greatest of all time. And, you know, when it comes to Tom Brady, the records that he holds, he holds the record for the most games started, wins by a starting quarterback, Passing yards, passing touchdowns, completions, touchdowns thrown to different receivers, division titles, Pro Bowl appearances, oldest player to win M NFL MVP at 40 years old. Um, I, I mean, I can see Aaron Rodgers. He's going to try to simp for that. We already know where his, <laughs> where his goals are. Um, the oldest player to be named to the first team All-Pro 40 years. Seasons with one team, he spent 20 years with the Patriots, which is crazy that he had a whole nother career <laughs> with the Buccaneers, basically. Um, and he's the only player to ever beat all 32 NFL teams. And then I could literally sit here. He has about 12 playoff records and 12 Super Bowl records that I'll just be beating a dead horse if I, if I name all them. But 
We got to witness it all, man. And it sucks that, you know, the divorce with his wife um, and the, the bad season that he just had is the ending, if it is the ending. But, man, I'm just mad I didn't get to go see this guy play. That's the only thing I'm mad about his career is that I myself did not go um, see a Tom Brady game, which it's, it beats me up a little bit inside, but I will not make this mistake again for any of the other greats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... Tough to admit, but there's just no contest there. Uh, however, moving on from Tom Brady, as the NFL must, uh, this creates a vacancy at quarterback for the Bucks, where the only quarterback they have on the roster moving forward is Kyle Trask, by default the starter next year. And we saw very, very limited action from Kyle Trask. And given that Bucks team was bad enough where Tom Brady could barely save them and make it the playoffs, so we can't take too much stock in the little bit that we saw from Shask, but we don't know if he's the answer for the Bucs. Uh, and there are a lot of vacancies. That's one that I consider a vacancy right now because there's uncertainty surrounding it. For sure. There are at least a dozen uncertainties around the NFL, and there aren't many quarterbacks that can fill these vacancies. So we're going to have a very long discussion so just a few quick ones that we want to dive into. Tua clears concussion protocol. Uh, he's set to be the starter next year for the Dolphins. I'm personally thrilled about that. Uh, I think one correlation that we can draw here to maybe have a little less fear every time he steps on a football field that he might die is the Sidney Crosby comparison. Sidney Crosby had a concussion and was out for, I believe, about a year. Comes back. And is still one of the greatest hockey players of all time after the injury as well. He completely, completely returned to form. So that happened in the Winter Classic, I believe. And I don't remember exactly how long he spent off, but it was a good long time. It was a lot longer than Tua was out between Christmas Day and now, which is essentially the Pro Bowl. He was basically cleared a few days too late to actually be active in the Pro Bowl. Uh, but ultimately... I think Tua can go on to have a long career. It scares me, of course, that he's a smaller guy and that a few relatively pedestrian hits have put him on his back in rough shape, you know, but a lot of guys have gotten injured before and then labeled injury prone and, and then come back and end up having a long career. So here's fingers crossed for Tua being able to do just that. Yeah, um, the, my biggest thing, first off, I love Tua. I was a big fan of his in college. Um, the, the dude, he's just a nice guy. Um, we'll give his all for his teammates. Um, and he's he just happens to be one of my favorite players. So for me, I'm glad to, to hear that he's healthy and he's going to play next year. But Miami, please, please just put all your money into the offensive line. You almost have nothing yes. left to figure out because you guys are getting Vic Fangio, I'm pretty sure. Um, that the defense should be way better than it was last year. I think all you guys really needed was someone calling better plays for the defense because you guys got the players. Um, it's just not working <laughs> at the moment. But I think that'll be fixed with Vic Fangio. Um, and then you got the you got the offensive weapons. You got the running game. You got the receivers, and you got you got a good quarterback that has proven that he can win when he has the protection. So my biggest yeah. thing is like you guys have a good offensive line. You need to make that an absolute phenomenal offensive line. I think that should be the focus. Draft the best offensive lineman available. 
buy the biggest the the most expensive one and get a couple others because like the biggest thing for the dolphins <clears throat> is that for example when armstead went down it was just you know their the backup just wasn't wasn't good and if, if that's yeah. the thing if that like protect Tua first because he, if he doesn't have the protection this year i can almost be certain that he's gonna go find this protection after this year and it won't be in miami and if he if he's to continue playing football, he needs the protection. Like I said, there's two scenarios that I think uh, two quarterbacks that needed a perfect offensive line. That was Tom Brady. He's retiring. Don't have to worry about him. Tua. Tua needs an offensive line. And if the Dolphins don't bolster the the, cra- the living crap out of that offensive line, I'll be a little confused because, in my opinion, like this team, this Dolphins team has a chance to win a Super Bowl next year. They just need that offensive line to protect Tua and make no uncertainty for the quarterback whatsoever. Yeah, I think there's two things that they really need to just reiterate some of what you said. First, uh, they obviously have the receiver talent. They obviously have defensive talent all around, but the one area that they were really weak in last year uh, was the secondary, which should be the strength of our defense. Just we had all kinds of injuries. Nick Needham should be back. We'll see what happens with Byron Jones. I'm guessing at least a restructured contract if we don't end up letting him walk. Uh, But all kinds of stuff talk about Dolphins. We'll take deeper dives not only into the Dolphins, but every team throughout the offseason. Now is not the time to talk about the Dolphins as much as I'd love to uh, because we do still have two teams standing, and we want to get to that pretty quickly here. Uh, But I think the two things that the Dolphins really need more than anything else is the offensive line, of course, like you said. They also need a running back. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert are both out of contract right now. So technically, our starting running back, Miles Gaskin or Salvan Ahmed, we already tried that. That's not going to really do it. I like both of them. Both of them have their roles. Uh, Miles Gaskin wasn't used at all this year, so that tells me that Mike McDaniel does not like him, does not feel he has a role. So I know we're going to end up getting somebody. And without a first-round pick, I wouldn't mind if we spend our highest draft capital in the second round on a running back uh but we still do need to improve the offensive line there's also been some good offensive line coaches let go I'm not saying i'd love to have joe philbin back in miami but we know he can do well coaching an offensive line he's available right now so you know there might be some offensive assistance that can help uh where the owner doesn't mind spending money as we're reportedly giving vic fangio the biggest coordinator contract in the history of the NFL. I'm fine with that as well. But hey, pay money for some offensive assistance to come in as well. And whatever is going to make this thing better, I'm fully on board with. Uh, So I think the running game particularly, though, which was McDaniel's specialty when he was in San Francisco, it needs help. And he tried bringing his guys in for it. it. It did okay at times. There were bursts where that rushing attack looked great, but I think we need a stud running back there whether we find that in a young guy in the draft or we sign a vet. Either way, I'm on board. Uh, We'll need to make some moves to free up some cap space if that's the route they go, though. And to to conclude the quarterback carousel, you know, just to touch on it really fast, you know, Matthew Stafford signed for two more years. We we were very, you know, unaware uh, what he was going to do, if he was going to play, if he was going to retire. But – Matthew Stafford still wants to play, and as you see, you can't stop a football player if, if they want to play. We got too many examples. But with that, that kind of leaves Baker Mayfield open as a solid quarterback that could fill one of these holes. 
Um, do you necessarily think that A, Stafford should should be continue playing? And B, should should Baker Mayfield stay as a backup or should he should he go start? I think Baker has to stay in Los Angeles. Uh, you saw the enthusiasm he played with with Sean McVay, knowing McVay is coming back, um, knowing that they're going to have Cooper Cup back. I think Baker can learn a lot being yes. around that level of talent between McVay, Stafford, and Cooper Cup. I think Baker is going to evolve, and it doesn't take him playing for that to happen. However, if Stafford comes back and just isn't himself, hey, why not turn to Baker? He played well with scraps at receiver. Utu Atwell and you know Van Jefferson were his guys at receiver when he was playing pretty good football. Almost good enough to get the Lions into the playoffs at the end, which is still the one thing I'll kick myself on where I wish Baker could have pulled through for us. Yes. Uh, is to beat the Seahawks and get the Lions in the playoffs, but still, Lions I think they some damage too. Looking at all these games, <laughs> seriously, we really could have. Uh, so you know, I think Baker has to stay there, and there are plenty of teams that I think would like Baker's service this year. But man, I I can't see him really becoming the best version of Baker without another at least another year in Los Angeles. And that two-year contract doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean he can't retire halfway through it. Yeah, so it means sure. Rams are willing if if he wants to to keep paying him for two years. But well, this is going to be a year by year basis for sure. I think the Rams are still a well-built team and could make a run, uh, but they're in the same boat. They miss the hell out of Andrew Whitworth, and if they can't build that offensive lineup to be a little bit better and prevent the quarterback entry in the first place, uh, then Stafford isn't going to have a great time there this year and we might end up seeing baker by end of year anyway yeah for sure and then definitely some good points so moving on uh to to the games that, that we had this past sunday um the nfc championship kicked it off and to to a surprise to a lot of people maybe not me the the eagles decimated the 49ers and it was it was a game to watch you know san francisco absolutely fell apart um, I mean, yeah. Brock Purdy, he got hurt, you know, on the first drive, um, tore his whole UCL, which, which is crazy. Um, and then it's Josh nice. Johnson comes in, and then the Eagles ate him alive, too, and gave him a concussion. And the 49ers, they just couldn't, they couldn't get anything, you know, going after that. They, they scored one touchdown. Um, game ended up being 31-7. to You know, Christian McCaffrey, he gave it all that he had. You love to see that. He was healthy, had an electric game. But you, you can't do much when you literally do not have a quarterback at all. Um, but the Eagles yeah. win. You know, they it, it was as I, as I thought it would be. Um, I didn't really think Brock Purdy would get hurt. Um, but at the same time, my biggest gripe with the 49ers is that Jimmy G got injured a long time ago. Trey Lance got injured a long time ago. How do you not have a serviceable backup going into these playoffs? How did you not find that? Like, they put all their faith that Brock Purdy was going to be healthy, and that's fine. You know, they, they got the offensive line to, to keep him protected. But injuries happen. And for you to have Josh Johnson as, as the backup, I don't – it's not a recipe for success. Because you have the – in my opinion, the 49ers have, you know, one of the best teams in the league, and that's without having a solid quarterback. I mean, Brock Purdy, you know, whatever, he did what he did. Um, but you know me, I wasn't really a big believer that he was going to get them to the Super Bowl. Anyway, 
close, but you know, I just I'm very confused at the four. Like I thought they would have a plan for something like this, but they fall short and the Eagles crush them. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna disagree with you on a couple of those takes. First off, congrats to the Eagles. They put on. Uh, to use last week's word of the day, they put on a masterclass. Yes. And it was another rushing attack that was just unstoppable. And they made Nick Bosa look silly all day long. So really, I mean, it was as much as you can say, that was great. Eagles, phenomenal. They didn't really go up against a team that actually had a chance. Right. So, from a backup quarterback standpoint, there's not much you can really invest down the line for, for sure. good quarterbacks because but Josh you Johnson. pay your guy, right? <laughs> so hear me out. You pay your guy in Jimmy G. You draft a rookie in Trey Lance. If you're paying a starting quarterback salary and you draft a rookie, you've already put a lot into the quarterback position, frankly, a lot more than most other teams have the ability to put in. Then you have this third string guy, Brock Purdy, who's able to go on a seven game win streak. You have, frankly, the best third string quarterback, maybe in the history of the NFL, right? So, not saying that Brock Purdy is going in the top 100 quarterbacks of all time or anything like that. We'll see. That's way off. But Brock Purdy is an excellent, excellent third-string quarterback. So you are invested for failure. Like you're, you're prepared for this. And then you have Josh Johnson behind it, a guy with 45 years of NFL experience or something like that, has been on 36 different teams in – 12 different leagues or whatever it might be. <laughs> Josh Johnson is XFL star. Right, right. He's a solid backup for fourth string. That's great. And there's not a whole lot else hanging out there available. If you look at the top quarterbacks that were available, the Dolphins, when they had to find a third stringer to come in and back up Skylar Thompson, when Teddy Bridgewater might not be able to go in the playoffs. They went out and got Mike Glennon. That's what else you've got. It, like maybe they but had that's a what I'm saying is like Glennon something like something like Josh that Johnson. would have been a lot better than something like Josh Johnson. Because I mean, that's where I disagree. I don't think Josh Johnson is any worse. He's showed flashes of capability, and even with the Jets last year, he he got onto the field and you know was able to throw the ball forward. And that was more than Brock Purdy was able to do by the end of the game. So my question for the 49ers is a whole lot less of how they weren't more prepared for a third-string quarterback within this game. Because there are a lot of teams that don't activate three quarterbacks on game day. I think that might change moving forward because we saw it happen – almost happened several times and then happened in the biggest – the second biggest stage of the year. So maybe we do see – another active quarterback on the 53 man roster moving forward on Sundays. But my question is, how do you not try out Kyle Juszczyk at quarterback? How do you not try out Christian McCaffrey in the wildcat more? How do you put Brock Purdy on the field when literally all he can do is hand the ball off? Yeah. How do you not have him it, try it was to throw clear as day that Purdy was done? I mean, that one, th- the, the one throw when he came back in the game and he was literally throwing right in front of, right in front of himself he almost botched that like it wasn't 
it was like a horrible throw. Like when he threw that, I was kind of wondering why he was still on the field because he gets tackled again, his arm might fall off. That's what we're right. I, I was just gonna say his arm is literally technically not attached properly anymore, and yeah. he can't throw a football. If he can't throw a football, then don't put him on the field. Right. You can get creative. Run a peewee football offense or something. Put Yushik and back up tight ends in the backfield. Run full house. Run something crazy. Go nuts. Do something creative. But don't put a guy on the field that literally can't do anything. Yeah. That just doesn't make sense to me. You're putting Brock Purdy further at risk, who already needs Tommy John. Like you said, if he did get hit again, this is disastrous. This could end the guy's career. 49 would have been done if he got tackled again. Yeah, so I'm very upset with 49ers going out limp like that. That that was not fun to watch, first off, but also it, it's not it's not even moral to put Brock Purdy back on the field. So I didn't like that in the slightest. We'll wrap that up. On to the more exciting game of the two. Uh, we had Chiefs-Bengals in a much closer matchup. Literally came down in the last 30 seconds, so – it's pretty much all you're asking for for a football game is for it to be close and even more for it to be decided in the final minute. Uh, so we have the Chiefs taking down the Bengals 23-20. to 20. Uh, The Chiefs putting on a solid performance with a very banged-up Patrick Mahomes. Clearly was not himself, uh, but still gets it done. Uh, what would you think on Chiefs-Bengals? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the game that I, I necessarily expected. Like, I thought it was going to be a big shootout between Mahomes and Burrow, even though I knew Mahomes was hurt. But Travis Kelsey was randomly hurt before the game. Um, but the biggest thing that I like um, is that the Chiefs, they just, they figure it out and they get it done. I mean, Kelsey's back. He had back spasms and they would, like, they'd pass him the ball and, like, they're getting creative. Like, they're they're making him throw it before he gets tackled and you know, just just a whole, but just figuring it out. I mean, figuring it out with Mahomes' yeah. bum ankle. They had plays designed around that. Um, it, it was it was beautiful from the Chiefs. I mean, you know, say say what you want about the refs, um, but Joe Burrow had Joe many, Burrow. many, 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 many drives um, to where he could have, you know, done something. And and the 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 fouls were obvious. The the flags were way obvious. I mean, yeah, you could say the. The Chiefs did, you know, some things, but when you're when you're face masking right in front of the ref, you're pushing the quarterback out of bounds, like stuff like that. You just can't do. It's gonna get called every single time, and you can't right. blame like, oh, the refs are just calling. It's right there, like the it's right there in front of the the referee, like right in right. front of the ref's face. You're gonna expect him to turn the other way, um, right. but either which way, Mahomes gets it done as I figured. The Chiefs were smart. They attacked Burrow. They sacked him. I think the most most times a quarterback's ever been sacked in the playoffs or whatever the record was. They destroyed Burrow. I mean, 23-20 doesn't really tell the full story of the game to me. I think it was the Chiefs, they they, they got it done. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes was healthy, this is probably 40-20 to 20 in my opinion. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. So ultimately, your point about the refs. Bengals fans and ultimately anyone that's cheering against the Chiefs who loves to jump on the refs and say that they cost the Bengals this game. And by all means, the one play was weird. I'm going to give you one play that I thought was weird. But also, it's not 
like it's never happened before. It's the one where they came in for a stoppage and then they ended up running the play still because the ref didn't stop it properly. And then they gave him a chance to redo the play. But you know Arrowhead is the loudest stadium in the NFL right now. So it's not that weird that you can't hear one ref's whistle that's a little bit outside of the play. He was running in. He's on camera running in to try to stop the play and then doesn't want to literally go play coverage on the receiver downfield to try to continue to stop the play. He wasn't in a position to run in and prevent the ball from being snapped like a ref normally would. So we've seen refs try to like intercept the long snap on a field goal or something if a timeout's called. We've seen stuff like that, but this guy's just not in position. And you're going to fault that that guy is the one that saw it and, and needs to stop the play? No, get out of here with that. This game was not won or lost by refs. This game is won by the Chiefs because of the creativity that, Tom, you just mentioned, because of the ability to just get it done. And lost by the Bengals because Joe Burrow threw for one touchdown, two interceptions. In a game where Legereus Sneed doesn't finish, there's no way that Joe Burrow should only have one touchdown pass. This is a Chiefs defense that's given up a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns, a lot of points through the air. And the Bengals couldn't get it done. Then on the ground, now given that this is a, a more stout rush defense, I feel, which is why I'm a little bit more excited about Super Bowl matchup. And we're going to dive into defensive line linebackers. We're going to go through it, all layers of how things match up against the rush, against the pass uh, for the Eagles versus Chiefs. We'll talk plenty about that. But for now, you're looking at a rushing attack that had three people carry the ball. The leading rusher on the day ends up being Joe Burrow with 30 yards. That's ineffective. You need to find a way to get it done with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's in headlines for all the wrong reasons after this game. That's not something we'll dive into today, but he certainly didn't make headlines running eight times for 19 yards. He's done. Can't get it done with that. So to me, this is a game that's won by the the Kansas City defense as much as it was by that creativity, uh, but not won at all by the refs. And there are, let me see, there are 13, there are 17 carries plus 41 pass attempts from Burrow. That's at least 58 plays where something else could have happened. He threw one touchdown, there's one rushing touchdown. So let's call it 56 plays that they could have won this game differently, but they didn't. That's it. So a three-point game, all you need is one more splash play, and it didn't happen. So, and Yeah, go ahead. goes right back to, to what I said. I mean, it's just like, you know, the, the Ravens, they, they did what was expected. You know, you got to chase Burrow. You got to make him throw fast because Burrow can't – he can't throw fast. And it proved, I proved my point in this game. That if you pressure yep. Burrow enough, all all the Bills had to do was just blitz more, <laughs> rush Joe Burrow more. That's all they had yep. to do, and they couldn't do that, and they got squashed. Because when you give Burrow time to throw the ball, he's one of, if not the best quarterback in the league when you give him time to throw. When you don't give him any time to throw, he is a struggling quarterback. I mean, yeah, I mean, when you don't have an offensive line, you're getting you know chased around and destroyed. You're not going to have the best game. 
But it it's kind of like, you know, if the Bengals don't get an offense, it's just like the, the Dolphins. If the Bengals don't get an offensive line this season for Joe Burrow, I mean, what are you really out here to, to do? Because you, you see with no offensive line recovering from an injury, Joe Burrow was able to lead this team to the Super Bowl last year. And this year he came three points away from the Super Bowl. If you don't see that as worthy of building an offensive line, I don't know what it's going to take from Cincinnati anymore. Maybe like this is finally they've had teams in the past with Andy Dalton that should have gotten to points of the season that they got to these last two years and they couldn't. And this time you finally have the team. You finally have the players. You finally have all around um, greatness on your team and you're just missing one piece and you still didn't do that this offseason. And if you don't get it done this offseason, I don't know what you're really expecting, Cincinnati. I don't know. I don't understand it either. Um, but ultimately, I, I have a lot of takeaways from this game. And I, I want to start off with all the trash talk that came at the Chiefs from the Bengals. And all that matters is who won the most recent game. That That's right. it. So that completely shuts down any Burrowhead talk. And... Why would you anger Mahomes before a big game? (laughs) You don't poke the bear. Just don't do it. And you don't piss off that many fans either in what's already the loudest place to play. And, you know, this is a team in the Bengals that came out of the whole Bills versus Bengals thing with a lot of respect on their name. They could have been the humble good guys. They could have been who America is cheering for. And that stadium would have been quieter. That's it. If they were just humble about this, this could have been an entirely different game. And frankly, if you're worried about that one ref stoppage happening, and that's the the big problem with the whole game, that's where it went awry to you. If you didn't talk as much shit as you did over the past week, that play doesn't go down that way. This stadium's not as loud as it was if it weren't for all that trash talk. So you guys did that, not the refs, if you really want to hone in on one play. But really, I I just don't like a couple of different things from Joe Burrow after the fact. First off, everyone's calling it Burrowhead. If you want to be a team leader and you don't like that and you, you think, oh, we're just two good teams that respect each other, get out of here. You need to talk to your team about that beforehand. You need to shut that down immediately as soon as you hear one person say it. You're the captain. You need to not allow this to get out of hand like it got out of hand. And then after the fact, you say what you said in the press conference. We're going to pause for a minute because I want to I want to read out what he said in the press conference and I didn't yeah. have that prepared. Go for it. Where did it go? Why am I not able to find this dude? There it is. All right. And I'm going to just dive into reading it here. So you're going to edit this part out. 
So Burrow, after the game, in his presser, his quote, I just think that's what makes football fun. It's all love at the end of the day. They know the respect that we have for them, and we know the respect they have for us. It's an intense emotional game, and things like that are going to happen, but I think that's why the game is fun. You can't do that now. You lost the chance to say this is all in respect and love for each other when you're literally attacking their home stadium and letting them call it Burrowhead. You can't take that out. So that's one act of disrespect from Joe Burrow. Another one to me is him not going to the Pro Bowl after the fact. So this is what makes it fun. And football is fun. No. If you think football is fun, then go play in the Pro Bowl and, and show some support to the fans. Right? Instead... He's going to go sit and cry at home in, or in Cancun on three, right? So I just don't like how the Bengals went out. They had a chance to be the good guys here in this whole story. Could have had America's support. Instead, they're the villains, and good guys come out on top with, with the Chiefs. And I know a lot of people are upset seeing the Chiefs here, but frankly, Mahomes has done plenty to deserve his spot. This is a That was his fifth AFC championship appearance in a row. Uh, I think he's got a chance, arguably for sure, at least a chance at another Super Bowl ring here. We'll dive into predictions and whether or not we think that happens next week. Uh, But, man, I I think the right team won here. I'm happy about it. And all around, Bengals just go out lame. And another takeaway is – this is a team that trounced Buffalo. What does this mean for Buffalo moving forward? When you see them not able to do anything at all against this Bengals team, and then Kansas City finds a way, given it's only 13 more points, but what do you think this game says about the Buffalo Bills? Um, you know, for the Bills, you got they, they got to just run it back after this. I mean, you know, with the DeMar Hamlin thing and everything, I think it ended up being – I don't want to really say this and and get canceled or anything, but I think it ended up being way more of a distraction than it was a motivator for them. Um, And, you know, I get it. You know, that game against the Bengals, I I think what it did to the Bills most especially is that, you know, they, they they were starting to build their momentum and then that happened and then they just couldn't get it back. And they struggled really hard with Miami. And it just it, the writing was on the wall, but no one really wanted to believe it because of the talent that, you know, the Buffalo has on their team. So I think for them, it's just get to the offseason, do what you got to do. Keep everyone's head intact. Keep Stefan Diggs head intact um, and just get to this next season and prove what you're made of. Because, you know, I, I, I want to shit on Josh Allen and I want to shit on the Bills because, you know that that's the that's the I'm not saying it's a cool thing to do, but that's that's the thing that should happen with how Josh Allen played at the end of the year. But at the same time, I can't really buy too much into it because there was a lot of other emotions that were that were tied into yeah. it, and it, it was just probably weird, weird for them. Because like for for example, and I'll, I'll always go back to this is that the Bengals are a team that when you get the Bengals in a playoff game, you have to just attack. You have to point out the obvious weakness, which the Ravens almost beat them on that weakness. And then they come in the next week and the Bills don't attack Joe Burrow like at all. Like they did not suffocate him. They didn't make him work. They just let him do whatever he wanted to. And you can't do that. 
I, I just think that was just something that was obvious and I don't I can't buy too much into it, but it's a year wasted nonetheless. It's a year where you had a lot of talent and it's a year that you just kind of threw away. So 100%. So I I'll give you that. I think the DeMar Hamlin thing by all means, it's not something you should get canceled over. This is real life. You, yeah. you can't look at that situation and think this doesn't impact your you mentally, right? And right. your ability to prepare for these games. It shouldn't affect what's going on on Sunday aside from the amount of preparation. But they weren't prepared for the Bengals. And the Ravens gave the Bengals a good run. The Bills did not. And then the Chiefs end up taking the Bengals out. So you can't tell me that the Bills should be ranked third out of those three when you're telling me that they're better than the Chiefs all along. So they had the third best performance out of Bengals opponents. There's no question about it. But still, I, I think the running it back becomes a little bit more difficult when the Bills do lose a little bit in free agency, they're losing Jordan Poyer. It's almost certainly done. He played and gave his big goodbye uh, to to Buffalo. So I don't expect him to come back. He was their defensive captain, their defensive MVP. Who knows what that defense looks like without him. And But, again, you do get Von Miller back, and hopefully he gets to stay healthy all year next year. So I think that's what they were really missing in the ability to attack Joe Burrow is that guy. And, you know, one big hit from Von Miller, a, a fumble, pick six, whatever it might be that he causes, that could have changed the trajectory. You're right. So maybe this is where the Bengals would have went out if Von Miller played. You don't know that. You can never know that. But run it back next year for the Bills. Uh, they do have some money opening up with that $10 million they're paying Jordan Poyer, but not a ton else. So uh, we'll see. They're going to have to pay some guys to keep some talent around. I think they'll lose a few, but ultimately it's going to be tougher and tougher for both of these teams to run it back each year, kind of built as is. We'll see how they draft. We'll see how they do moving forward, and we'll see what the rest of the AFC does to contend with them. But overall, um, just again, need to reiterate, don't like how the Bengals went out. For sure. Uh, but my other point on Joe Burrow not playing in the Pro Bowl and Josh Allen is doing the same thing. Now, given Josh Allen has a UCL injury, that's so far in the past that if you're if you've played through it this long, I consider it healed enough to go right. do some football activities at the Pro Bowl. It's not like anybody's gonna get just bash you in your UCL uh, during flag football <laughs> or skill competitions. So I have very little respect for both Burrow and Allen for missing the Pro Bowl this year. And because of that, we have Tyler Huntley playing in the Pro Bowl. He's going to have that on his resume forever, and I just don't understand. Good for him, but, man, this really tarnishes the product. And – you need to put some responsibility on both Josh Allen and Joe Burrow for this because both of them could have played. Josh Allen, I believe, is golfing instead. It's it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to the fans. That's it. This is something that's purely for the fans, the Pro Bowl, where a bunch of guys get together and uh, this is your one spot where you can see a boatload of talent in Tyler Huntley. Yeah, because there's no the All-Star game. <laughs> Right. So this is, it's unreal. I don't like it. I, and I really think that there should be more incentive if you make the Pro Bowl to actually go for it because this 
again, it's just not a good look for the NFL when you have Tyler Huntley on display. Given he did pretty well in a little skills competition, he was more accurate than few of the other guys that should have been a lot more accurate than Snoop Huntley. But still, it's it's not the product that the NFL should have to push when you have real talent here. And I, I just, I don't like it. I lost respect for both of those guys uh, by them not playing in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. And I mean, the, the one thing about the Pro Bowl that I love, though, is that it gave us Derek Carr and all the comments that he's that he's been making throughout this whole thing about being traded. And, and all of a sudden, like, it was funny. Like, they asked him, they said, you know, this is the, you know, it, it, they, they mentioned something about how he was doing good in Vegas, you know, because I think the Pro Bowl is in Vegas. And, and then he was just like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess this is why I'm getting traded because I can't do anything else good in Vegas or what, you know, whatever he said. But it's just it's yeah. funny. But it's not what the, the Pro Bowl should be a satire, you know, comical event that we're getting right now. But it's the Pro Bowl. I mean, like for me, I'm not too mad at it just because like, yeah, I, I think Burrow and Allen should be there for the fans. And this is for the fans. But at the same time, it's like us as fans don't even take the Pro Bowl seriously. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, flag football, I mean, I thought was just like, I understand we don't want anyone to get hurt during the Pro Bowl, but like flag football is just something like, I, I can't wait to watch it. I it, I don't even know. Like it's, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be something. <laughs> so that's the thing when you have everybody with their, their pads on and playing in the Pro Bowl, it's more of the same at a much, much lesser quality than what you see throughout the year. Whereas if you have flag football, then this is a different product. This yeah. is, you know, a little bit of variety, the spice of life here on display. And I'm looking forward to that. And this is the first Pro Bowl I've looked forward to in a long time. Now, what I look forward to even more was the skills competition and the passing accuracy and stuff. The water balloon toss was particularly lame. The punt catching just dragged out. But, man, uh, like they have some good stuff on display here. I think they're putting a little bit too much drama in the best catch as well. It's not perfect. It's not perfect at all. But it's a fan service. And it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's just doing it without some of the guys that are supposed to be there. So, overall... As part of a rebrand, I think the Pro Bowl is onto something here, but I don't think they can do it without the big names. And the quarterbacks are the big names. They are the guys that should not be missing this. If you can get your offensive linemen there, you can get your quarterbacks there. And there's not much else to say about that. I get like to a clear concussion protocol. Justin Herbert literally just had surgery. I'll give these guys passes, but man, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen just. Just didn't want to do it, right? But moving on, um, before we get to the conclusion, I want your because we're we're gonna dig a lot into it on the next episode. We're gonna go, you know, we're gonna break down everything. But I want your initial your initial reaction, initial initial thoughts on the Eagles and the Chiefs Super Bowl matchup that we're gonna get. Yeah, I'm excited, and there aren't not all Super Bowls create this level of excitement. Uh, when you have the Chiefs, it's the best team in the AFC. They proved it throughout the year. It was a tough AFC. The Bills, the Bengals, and you know a couple other people hot on their heels. It was a fun year for the AFC all around. Chiefs come out on top. 
Uh, they didn't necessarily have the easiest path to get there. They faced a red hot Jaguars team who gave them a little bit of a run. Also smashed up Patrick Mahomes' ankle uh, just for a little bit more dramatic effect. They fight through that. They fight through the Bengals. They get there. That's all you need to do. After the bye, Jaguars, Bengals, boom, they're in the Super Bowl. I'm excited to for all the Andy Reid press that we can get. He's my favorite interview. Waving every birds time in the air. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, should give Fox plenty of material uh, during press week and during the game itself. I love it. Over on the NFC side, Eagles, number one team in the NFC. Absolutely ran through the playoffs. Just at, Well, really jogged through the playoffs because they didn't have to run. So they're coming into the Super Bowl showing zero of their hand. And their rushing attack has been phenomenal. Jalen Hurts has gotten the ability to get healthier and will now have the week off to get even more healthy. I'm really looking forward to the matchup. You have two absolute studs at quarterback. We'll dive into all the other positions, but really two faces of the game in Jalen Hurts and Mahomes. And I couldn't be happier with what the product that we're going to have a uh, week from Sunday. Right, for sure. And, you know, on, on the Eagles side, like, listen, baby, we made it again. And it, it's funny that we're like, we're like lapping the Cowboys because the Cowboys haven't been to a Super Bowl since I've been born, like before that, which is I've, I've been on this earth for 24 years and the Dallas Cowboys still haven't made a Super Bowl in my lifetime. You know, the, the Cowboys suck. They'll never be, you know, good like they were in the 70s and 80s. And all of our fathers and grandfathers remember that. But I don't. So for, for me, the Cowboys suck. They'll never be as good as the Eagles. You know, when, when it comes to the Super Bowl, I love it because the last Super Bowl that we made, it was very tense. It was very dramatic. Didn't know what was going to happen at any given time. Didn't know that Nick Foles was going to absolutely destroy the Vikings and then destroy Tom Brady. But this time, it's a masterclass. It's an absolute masterclass. It's beautiful. Everything is beautiful. And like you said, the Eagles didn't have to show any of their hand. We just beat the living hell out of the 49ers, and now we're in the Super Bowl. And it, it's beautiful. I mean, I don't even consider the Giants because that was that was like that was the biggest piece of light work ever. Um, am I nervous? Yes. It's the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. Eagles have not faced the Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs yet. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to be like you know his first real time on the big stage. Let's 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 see what happens. You know, I'm I'm here. I'm all in for it. You know, grease the poles, baby. The Eagles are back. I'm gonna get a new Super Bowl jersey that I can wear, win or lose. I'm happy about that. And if the Eagles lose, they'll be on sale, and I'll get a couple of jerseys. If we win, I'll be paying out of pocket for one jersey. But you know, it, it is what it is. I love it. Not only um, is my team in the Super Bowl. Um, but we're going to get a good matchup. Like, we're going to get Eagles-Chiefs. It's going to be fun. It's going to be something that, you know, you can sit around with your friends and eat some disgusting food and have fun, and it's going to be a good game. And I really can't wait for it. Should be good, man. Should be a lot of fun no matter what. So that wraps us up for this week. Uh, Real quick, though, episode. before we wrap up, I had one conclusion take. I'll be fast. Yes. So with the Rams, I find it funny that, you know, Brock Purdy, I'm not, I don't find it funny that Brock Purdy went down, but I find it funny 
that one one quick take that I'm gonna make is that we talked about it on the show. The Rams prevented the 49ers from getting Baker Mayfield. That could have been yep. the very big difference of their season right there. Um, because yeah. if Baker Mayfield was the one that goes down, Brock Purdy comes in and he's the new backup to Baker Mayfield, and Brock Purdy's serviceable, does good things. Who knows what happens if they get Baker Mayfield? Maybe they don't even get this far. Maybe they get further. Who really knows? But that is a big story um, that I think no one's really talking about was that Baker Mayfield went to the Rams instead of the 49ers during that time. That's an excellent point. And you're right. Like If, if Baker goes down or Purdy goes down and the other person gets to come in and, and clean up where Josh Allen did, uh, then, you know, who knows? The concussion still happens and we're, we're in the same spot. But obviously, butterfly effect, one thing is going to change a yep. whole lot of other things. So that could have been a whole different game. And you're right that the Rams, with that claim, <laughs> absolutely Rams get a little moral victory NFL. here. <laughs> yep. So, so taking the uh, divisional rival out of the playoffs – uh, via the, the long game. <laughs> Baker so, Mayfield yeah. just played a big part in the season for no reason. Um, but That means Baker has now eliminated the Panthers, the Rams, and the uh, – uh, hold on. There, there were more teams. The Raiders. Eliminated the Lions based on losing that last game. Uh, helped the Rams miss the playoffs. Helped the Panthers miss the playoffs. And helped the Niners get eliminated. So Baker Mayfield really did some damage this year uh, for through success and through failure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with that, you know, we're going to leave it there. We're, we're going to leave uh, everyone, you know, questioning whether Baker Mayfield, you know, changed the whole story of the season or not. I love it. I love these takes. I love doing this podcast. Um, so with that, you know, that was episode nine. You know, we're, we're going to come at, at you with a really good uh, Super Bowl episode next week. And, you know, I just want to say thank you to everyone for watching. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, share. We got a lot coming. There's a lot of plans. We're always planning. Pretty sure my team's, you know, annoyed with me about how much planning we're doing. But we got a lot of plans in the works. That's what it, that's what it takes. We're good. We're going to plan a bunch. And we're going to get you guys some amazing, amazing content. Um, so thank you guys for watching. Have a good night. Bill, take us away. That'll take care of for this week. Looking forward to a Super Bowl episode. <laughs> yes, sir. Let's catch you later, everybody. See you guys next week.